Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Monday Night Football about to kick off in Seattle. Broncos taking on the Seahawks. Russell Wilson just jogging onto the field in the Broncos uniform. They were showing some shots of select fans, some cheering, some booing as Wilson returns to the team. He helped win a Super Bowl almost 10 years ago. The Oilers continue to skate, getting ready for the upcoming season, for the upcoming training camp. We'll have some comments along the way tonight from your captain, Connor McDavid, from Ryan Nugent Hopkins, and also from Zach Hyman. Jack Michaels is going to hop on the show tonight. We got a great story out of the University of Alberta. Colby Herford, a receiver for the Golden Bears, as the uh, Alberta Golden Bears beat Manitoba 34-11 on Friday night to up their record to 1-1 one one on the season. Herford had four receptions for 202 yards and three touchdowns of 39, 68, and 84 yards. Pretty good evening. We'll get to know Colby a little bit later on. That is going to be fun. Um, Reed Wilkins with you. Really appreciate you checking out the show. Of course, we are the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and your Edmonton Elks, who, my, oh, my, were shattered on Saturday night by the Calgary Stampeders. Yet another tough outing for the Elks. We'll talk a bit about that. And then we have the Elks this week from 7.30 to 8 with Morley Scott as the Elks drop to 3-10 and 10 on the season after going 3-11 and 11 last year in the pandemic-shortened season. And uh, man, a oh man, a week ago, we were sitting here saying, well, at least I was, well, you know what? Not too bad on Labor Day. Uh, we're in the game. Looked like they maybe had a chance, but, uh, you know, couldn't quite get it done. And uh, then you have a game like Saturday night where they uh, really were not even competitive. So uh, Morley will focus on that as we uh, move along. Today. I, I know a lot is made of uh, specifically the last two seasons, but I, I want to go back to the final nine games of 2019. So this is uh, this is a little depressing. I'm sorry to start the show with this. Uh, so in the in the second half of the season in 2019, the Elks went two and seven. Last year they went three and eleven, and uh, right now they're three and ten. That's eight wins in their last 36 games. Eight and 28 in their last 36 games. So uh, you know they had that poor finish 
That cost Jason Moss's job. Scott Milanovic came in as the head coach, never coached a game. Jamie Elizondo last year, Chris Jones this year, who's going to be around hopefully for the entire length of his four-year contract, but uh, a very, very difficult game for the Elks on Saturday night. So I was thinking here, we're going to, let's, let's have some fun with an off-topic topic as we roll along tonight. Because uh, I was thinking with Russell Wilson playing for the Denver Broncos, this is going to be an emotional night for Seahawks fans and of, of which Kellen Kennedy and I are both fans, and we were just talking off air. W- Kellen, would you say we are extremely pessimistic about the Seahawks this season? I, I would fi- say I am. Yeah, I think that's the consensus. Uh, I was reading some season previews last. I, I think it was Sports Illustrated had them going 4-13. and 13. That's Th- not a good that's, record. That's the ballpark I'd have them, 4-13, 5-12, uh, and 5 and 12, something like uh, that. Geno Smith is their quarterback who played a little bit for Russell Wilson last year, and I was generally... No, I mean, they probably have the worst starting quarterback in the league out of the 32 teams. Anyway, we'll see what happens tonight. Sometimes, I mean, there are Australia yesterday, the Giants beat the Titans. That was unexpected. Steelers. Did, did you watch that Steelers Bengals game? I've seen highlights oh, of that. Oh, that my was, goodness. So the Bengals got a, the Bengals tie it at the end. They got an extra point to win. It's blocked. They got a short field goal in overtime to win. It's wide. Uh, Pittsburgh hits the upright on a 53 yarder. And then eventually Pittsburgh wins in the end. But that was an upset Steelers knocking off the Bengals. I think this would be a huge upset tonight if the Seahawks beat the Broncos. But we'll see. So with with Russell Wilson going back into Seattle, here is our off-topic topic for tonight. And you can provide your answer, 780-496-0063. The hotline is presented by CertainTeed, the pro's choice for roofing, siding, drywall, insulation, and ceiling systems. CertainTeed, pro all the way. You can also email inside sports at 630ched.com. Follow me on Twitter, at Reed Wilkins. R-E-I-D-W-I-L-K-I-N-S. But my question is, and it'll we'll focus on the Oilers here, which Oiler who left the team, whether trade, free agency, whatever, which Oiler was it most difficult to see in another uniform? Now, I know there's a couple obvious ones here, uh, but I want to respect the fact that some, some of you listening would not have gone through the pain of seeing Wayne Gretzky go to the Los Angeles Kings, or maybe you just had another favorite player where you thought that just looks wrong, that guy in another year. Maybe it was best shape. Maybe, uh, I don't know, maybe you're a huge Adam Larson fan and you couldn't stand seeing him play for Seattle. Maybe for uh, younger people, I know it was a while ago now, but maybe maybe it was Ryan Smith when he left and then you saw him you know, play for the New York Islanders and a couple other teams before he came back to Edmonton. So that'll be the off-topic topic for tonight. Which Oiler, who went on to play for another team or teams, was it most difficult, most painful for you to see in another uniform? Kellen, off the top of your head, does anything... No, you were not mm-hmm. uh, You were not born when Gretzky was sold, was he? Uh, I or, was or, born. I was in diapers when that happened. Oh, but so. you, were, you were extreme, <laughs> so you don't really have a memory of that. Not really, have, no. no. You just I'm, have heard people talking about it yeah i just have education from you know secondhand from like the maybe like the gretzky above and beyond home from, video from cassettes from people back like me who pass on <laughs> to the subsequent generations yeah exactly the history of the team there we go As, okay who, who would it be for you anybody uh chris pronger really even though he was only here a year eh? yep 
Yeah, just because of 06 and the and, and just the experience of going through that entire cup run and uh, as a fan and, and just soaking in the energy of the city and that stuff. And this, I thought it was the reemergence of, you know, a team that, uh, uh, you know, for so many years we were just on the cusp of being good. And then finally we got in, you know, the good players, guys like Pekka and Pronger and that stuff and everything. And then the whole way that that disintegrated within two or three weeks after the, the, uh, the season ended. Yeah, Chris Pronger. And then yeah. a year later, watching him skate around uh, the pond in Anaheim with the Stanley Cup. Well, that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah, fair. Okay, so Chris Pronger is the vote for uh, Kellen Kennedy. Russell Wilson uh, with Seattle, of course. Just uh, an incredible run there. Like I said, helped them win uh, the Super Bowl franchise. But, but, I mean, there's sort of been whispers over even the last couple of years. Could they move on with him? What's going to happen? But uh, won the Super Bowl in his second season, 10 seasons with the Seahawks, and now playing for Denver. So that is going to be a weird one. That'll probably be a weird one for a lot of people who aren't Seahawks fans tonight to see him in another jersey. Maybe kind of like, you know, Joe Montana played his last couple of years with the Chiefs, right? Uh, even right. Manning going to the Peyton Manning going to the Broncos was kind of weird at first. I think he spent two seasons there and then won the Super Bowl. So that's the off Topic, topic. Kellen will uh, compile some of your responses. 780-496-0063. Which, which oiler who left any era? You can do whatever you want. Whatever. What? Which oiler who who went to put, wanted to play for another team? Was it most difficult to see him? Most painful to see him wearing another jersey? 780-496-0063. You know that Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Uh, the plan is for him to spend his entire NHL career in an Oilers jersey. He got that contract extension last summer and uh, is uh, has a no movement clause and is hoping to have a good season here with Edmonton as they uh, as they get ready with the informal skates at Rogers Place. And I asked the Nuge today about defenseman Ryan Murray, who was signed, what was it, 10 days ago, one year, $750,000. Yeah, I've known, I've known him for a long time. We had uh, agency camps uh, uh, when we were like 14, 15. So uh, it's been a long time and uh, definitely excited to, to have him on board. And uh, yeah, I mean, obviously uh, he had a, a successful year last year. And um, so he's got experience. He's been in the league for a lot, uh, a lot of years now too. So excited to have him on board to join the group, but also, uh, uh, yeah, it'll be good to see him again. So did you do any recruiting? <laughs> I didn't know. You know what? I, I, I stay out of it. I just, uh, uh, I was excited to see when he, uh, he first texted me. I was pretty excited. So, uh, but no, I don't, uh, I don't get involved with that. <laughs> All right, uh, having a laugh there with the Nuge, but of course the serious uh, answer, he's known Ryan Murray for a while and thrilled to have him on board as a member of your Edmonton Oilers. Uh, Ryan Murray has uh, not been on the ice for these informal skates, and I should also point out not every player skates every day. Uh, I, I've gone and checked it out on Friday and then again today. Zach Hyman, who's in town, and he was on with Bob earlier today, he was supposed to be on the day the Queen passed away. Um he didn't skate Friday. He was out there today. Cody Cece is here. He wasn't skating today. Uh, so I believe of sort of the players that we expect to be on the team and non-minor leaguers, uh, you got Ryan Murray as uh, the most significant name, not yet skating. Jack Campbell was playing goal today. We had some clips from him on Friday. So that's the situation there with the Edmonton Oilers. Who, and I talked about this two or three weeks ago, who I, I, I'm pretty confident, and I, I think most of you were with me, are, are not going to have trouble scoring goals this season. As a matter of fact, I think they can get to 300 goals for the uh, first time since 1990. And who knows, maybe they can even challenge what Florida did last year, you know, getting up there around 330, which was the most goals in uh, in over a decade. So 
we'll see if the Oilers can do something like that. But I, I, I want to emphasize here, I'm not just sitting here like spouting stuff off, off the top of my head. You know, I didn't turn the microphone on at 6.05 and be like, well, I'll just say they're going to score a lot of goals. There is a there is a trend here for more offense in the National Hockey League. I like it. Uh, I think maybe the days of it being a 3-2 league are slowly going behind us. And yes, of course, defensive hockey is always going to be rewarded and good goaltending is going to be rewarded. I, I just think, you know, there there might be some nights where a team allows three goals or even four goals and wins, and you might say, well, you know what, they defended pretty hard, or the goaltender had a pretty good game. And, and here's the some of the evidence I had, and I, I don't want to bombard you with two numbers, too many numbers, because you may be driving around or, uh, you know, making a, a, a nice quiche for supper or something like that. Do people make quiche for supper, Kellen, or is that a breakfast food? I'm not even sure. I don't know why that um, popped no, into my head. No, they do quiche for supper. I've had quiche for supper before. Now, <laughs> so if I'm more of an ambrosia nice, guy for dessert, but anyway. Inside, inside sports and a nice quiche. It sounds like a Monday night for a lot of people, and the Monday night are on in the background. So last season in the NHL, the uh, the goals per team per game was 3.14. It's been over. It's been over three goals per game three of the last four seasons. And that, uh, and it hadn't been over three since 0506 when it was 3.08. And 3.14 is the most goals per team per game in a season since 95 96, which was also 3.14. So I think we're seeing more goals scored. I think uh, some of the rule changes that happened now over 15 years ago have been in place for a generation of players, a couple generations of players joining the NHL. And I think that's where we're headed. The save percentage of 907, that was the league average save percentage, which which, fact, which factors out the empty netters, uh, of the save percentage of 907 last year was the lowest in the NHL since 0607 when it's 905. So more goals are going in. Goalies aren't making quite as many saves. And I think it's all going to add up to a few more goals along the way. I, I know I was on Stoff's show a couple weeks ago, and he said to me, how many 50 goal scores do you think there are going to be? This year, I think the Oilers are going to have two. I think McDavid's going to be one of them. I think Drysaddle is going to be the other one. Uh, I think Kane might flirt with forty. I don't know if he's quite going to get there, but um, so I so I'm always optimistic and I always lean towards the offensive numbers. I said there's going to be eight fifty goal scores uh, in 0506, which was a relatively high scoring year. There were five. Jonathan Chichu, remember him, had 56. Yarmir Yager had 54. Kovalchuk and Ovechkin had 52. Danny Heatley got to 50 exactly. Now, there were 850 goal scorers in 95-96, which I mentioned was a very a relatively high-scoring season. Mario Lemieux had 69 goals. Yarmir Yager had 62. McGillney, 53. Peter Bondra, 52. John LeClaire and Joe Sackick, 51. Paul Correa and Keith Kachuk, each had 50. So can we have 850 goal scores again this season around the league, not on the Oilers, around the league? I think we can. I think the game is trending in that direction, and I think the Oilers as an offensive team are very much trending in that direction, and I'm going to dive into why uh, I think that is, looking at some of their shooting percentages and what can be repeated when we get back to inside sports. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins is brought to you by James H. Brown and Associates, Alberta injury lawyers. Go to jameshbrown.com. Well, as I was saying a few minutes ago, Geno Smith is a brilliant quarterback. He avoids a sack, hits a wide-open Will Disley for a 38-yard catch-and-run touchdown, and the Seahawks score on their opening drive for a 7-0 lead on the Denver Broncos. Russell Wilson will now take the field for the Broncos. That was a uh, shockingly good drive for the Seahawks right off the top. Okay. Uh, 780-496-0063 with Wilson back in Seattle. I asked which oiler who left trade free agency, whatever, was it most difficult, most painful for you to see in another team's Jersey? I actually got a couple buddies uh, texting me. Uh, one of my friends says a serious answer to this is Taylor Hall. That's uh, I'm, okay. not, I'm sure I'm sure we got some Taylor Halls along the way and uh, hold on. I got to go to the right uh, message here. Uh, another, oh, this is interesting. This was a guy uh, I liked watching with the Oilers as well. Uh, another buddy of mine says it was very difficult for, see to, for me to see Mark Letestu in a Winnipeg Jets jersey. I always followed Letestu in the AJHL, loved him with the Oilers, didn't like seeing him play for another Canadian team. What do you have there, Kellen? All right, well, we'll start with Cowtown Bob, just because his text was at the top of the pile here again tonight. Um, he says that he was very depressed when Essa Tikkanen joined the Rangers. He was very happy to leave Edmonton and join the Rangers. Uh, I, I remember that, but my memory of that is, I, I've probably told this story before, but I'll quickly tell it. I was mm. going to the U of A and I got home from class and flipped on the Oilers game, and they were playing at the Rangers, and they were showing the players during the anthem, and a grinning Essa Tikkanen was on the, <laughs> on the Rangers blue line. Oh, man, in the era uh, before internet. The trade, had the trade happened the day, of the, the day of the game, and he went to the other team and, uh, <laughs> and played, and this was night, when would this been, 94 or something like that, 93? Um, yeah, 93, Tikkanen for weight. And so you got to remember, 93, don't have internet. You're not you're checking stuff during class or in between classes. So, yeah. I would consider that trade a wash. Just both teams well, Doug, got what they Doug wanted Wade out of it, right? Good. Doug Wade was pretty good. Yeah, exactly. So there we go. Uh, we got one from an unknown texter. He says, hi, Reed. When Dave Semenko got traded to Hartford, that was so wrong seeing him in a Hartford uniform. I, I remember that as well. Yeah, that's an interesting one. Good stuff. Mm-hmm. Greaser texts in and says, Grant Fear in a Flames jersey. Oh, that good call. Yes. I wasn't even thinking of that angle. That was later in Grant's career. But yes, because obviously Fuhr, um played, uh, well, I guess, briefly for the Kings when the Oilers and Kings had a bit of a rivalry. He was a Maple Leaf. Yeah, well, how, uh, Fuhr was 23 games with the Flames. That's right. That's a really good text. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And all the Dynasty guys aside from Brandon from Windsor, he says Taylor Hall loved watching him and uh, in junior, obviously, being from Windsor and the Oilers. So. All right. 
We will get to more of those as we go along. That is the fun off-topic topic tonight. And as uh, I, we got a shorter show tonight, but we'll see how much I can get to tonight. But I want to talk a little bit about Oilers' goal scoring and expectations for a highly offensive season, not just here in Edmonton, but I think around the National Hockey League. Okay, oh, this is going to be fun because we can talk some Oilers with this guy. We can talk some tennis with this guy after uh, Carlos Alcaraz won the U.S. Open yesterday. That was uh, I watched uh, a fair bit of that match the last couple sets anyway in the afternoon. Jack Michaels is going to check in when we get back. 